Bible Changers Church, Houston South. Amen. We're glad that you're with us on tonight. At our South location, we want to welcome those who are joining us also uh, online. Uh, we are excited about what we're talking about. We've been talking about the fact that we are indeed the righteousness of God. Say that with me. Say, I am the righteousness of God. Now, we've discovered that in the fact that we're righteous, uh, we were seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Amen? Isn't that what the word said? I'm going to show you anyway in a minute. Uh, but it indeed says uh, that we are no longer slaves, uh, but we are indeed children of God, joint heirs with Christ. And when he was raised up, he raised us up with him. And we are seated together in heavenly places. Why? Because the Bible says we're literally united with Jesus Christ. So wherever he is, that's where you are. Amen. And as we've been studying the word of God, we, we come to understand that uh, that song that used to go, it's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Where does he live? Lives in you. Amen. We saw in the word of God that Jesus was sealed with the Holy Spirit. And several times in the New Testament, it says that the same thing is true for you and I. That our spirits are sealed with the same Holy Spirit who sealed Jesus. So the same Holy Spirit that Jesus had on the inside of him when he was on earth is in you and I. Now think about that. That means the same spirit, which was the spirit of God, that was empowering Jesus to do all those miracles, that same Holy Spirit lives in you. The same Holy Spirit that was instructing Jesus on what to do and where to go. And what to say, giving him wisdom. That same Holy Spirit lives where? In you. So there is no thing that you don't know. Because what is wisdom? Wisdom is knowing what to do when I what? Has anybody ever been in a situation you don't know what to do? Some of you said, I'm there tonight, Pastor. I'm in a situation that I don't know what to do. But the good news is, is you have all access to the wisdom of God. Now think about that. Jesus needed money to pay some taxes and he knew to do what? Tell him to go fishing and that his money that was near, the money that was needed for the taxes was going to be in the mouth of the fish. I don't know if you need money tonight. I don't know what it is you need tonight. But by the wisdom of God, if you're willing to believe him and trust him and rely on the Holy Ghost, there will be no lack in any area of your life. Not because of how good you are, but because of how good he is. And the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. And James, it talks about the fact that if any of us lack wisdom, we should do what? Ask God. And it said, God gives it freely. Costs you nothing to ask. Somebody say that with me. Say it costs me nothing to ask God. For wisdom. And he said you have it. Why? Because the spirit of God lives on the inside of you. Amen. Well, What about if I messed up the other day. And you know. And I did something wrong. He said he gave, gives it freely. He gives it freely. So whatever it is you need. Just trust God. Believe that he. Now here's where we mess up. We get to this place that we don't believe God's going to do what he said he's going to do. 
We believe that our behavior changes his mind. We believe that, you know, I asked last time and I didn't hear nothing. Unbelief is what causes you not to be able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean he's not talking. He never stops talking. He never, he never leaves you alone. He never leaves you hanging. Why? Because he lives on the inside of you and he is indeed the voice of God ministering to you, changing you, rearranging you, but also comforting you, leading you, guiding you, and directing you. The Holy Spirit has a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week responsibility, and that is you. Amen? So we've been talking about all of this, and the Holy Spirit spoke something to me, doing exactly what you know we're talking about. And being yielded to him, I said, well, Holy Spirit, what do you want to talk about on Wednesday uh, and on Thursday? And he said, I want you to tell the folks there's something very specific. And I said, okay, well, aren't we talking about the righteousness of God? He said, yeah, it goes with that in a way. But he said, I want you to tell them to stay the course. Amen. And I was like, huh. And so that's the title of tonight's message. It's part two of, of last night. But it's stay the course. And I said, what do you mean? And very simply put, he said, as we're learning to be mature in Christ, as we're learning that we are the righteousness of God, we're kings and queens, joint heirs with God, with Christ, and we're heirs of God. Did you hear what I said? We used to misquote that. We used to say we're heirs of Jesus, but that's not what the word says. The word says we're joint heirs with Jesus, and us and Jesus got God as our daddy. So we are co-heirs with Jesus of what God has. And as we're seated with him in heavenly places and we have all this power and all this authority, he said, as, as you guys are learning this and starting to walk it out and allowing me to transform your thinking, he said, more attacks are going to try to come. But I need my children to know to stay the course. No matter what's going on, no matter what occurs, I love them and I will not fail them. I don't know about you, but you know, I don't know if you've ever been, ever been on a certain diet or ever been in a certain situation and you're, you're trying and you're trying and you're trying and how many of y'all ever get tired of that thing? Because the results ain't coming fast enough or maybe you ain't seeing what you want to see or maybe you don't feel like it's working for you. Anybody ever been there before? Yeah. Amen. He <laughs> said many times. <laughs> But how many guys know that if you stay the course, and, and those who stay the course are the ones who eventually see the results? Yeah. Sometimes our feelings can get in the way. Sometimes our own ideas can get in the way. Sometimes our education can get in the way. Different things can get in the way and cause us to get off track. And God is saying tonight, stay on track. Stay where I've put you. Stay the course. Amen. Let's look at this a little bit in the Word. Go with me to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 1 through 3, and then we're going to look at verse 4 as well. And we're going to hang out in the New Living Translation, and we'll probably look at some things that amplify it too. Philippians 3, uh, verse 1. <clears throat> I believe that as you hear this tonight, you'll be encouraged and uh, fired up by the time you get out of here. Amen. Amen. Now, what's those first two words? Let's read them together. Ready? Read. Whatever. Yes, okay. We're going to do it one more time. Ready? Read. Yeah, somebody say it again. Whatever, whatever happens. happens. One more time. Whatever, whatever happens. happens. Now, what does that mean? What's whatever? whatever. That's, that's anything. That's whatever. <laughs> whatever goes on, whatever happens, Paul tells the church of Philippi, 
My dear brothers and sisters, do what? Rejoice in the Lord. Whatever happens, they cuss you out. Rejoice in the Lord. Whatever happens, they threaten to give you a pink slip. You rejoice in the Lord. Whatever happens, they say they're about to cut your lights off. You rejoice in the Lord. Y'all got real quiet on me right there. Amen. He said, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. He said, I never get tired of telling you these things. Why? He said, I do it to safeguard your faith. I do it to safeguard your confidence in God and his word. I do it to safeguard uh, uh, your belief in what Christ has done to you, uh, for you. I do it to safeguard who you know you are. He says, whatever happens, don't allow your faith to be rocked. And how do I know your faith's not being rocked? Because you're rejoicing in the Lord. You're not complaining. You're not falling apart. You're rejoicing in the Lord. Now, I understand, you know, emotions, we have emotions, and I'm not saying we, we, are, we can't be emotional beings, but we aren't allowing those emotions to change what we believe. Amen. 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 I've seen people rejoice in the Lord with tears in their eyes. I've seen people rejoice in the Lord and couldn't get themselves up off the floor. Why? Because they were telling those emotions, listen, you're not going to have a hold of me. I'm going to have a hold of you. The Spirit of God has a hold of me, and I believe his word. Whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord so you can safeguard your faith. Now, it's important that your faith stays on duty. Because if you take your faith off the field, then all of a sudden now the power of God ultimately has been short-circuited in your life without faith. And so that's what Paul was telling him. He was like, listen, no matter what's going on, don't let your faith be short-circuited. Because now the power of God is available. The blessings of God are yours, but you're not going to lay hold of them because like the word says, by faith you lay hold of what grace has made available. So if I want to have the manifestation of grace in my life, my faith has to be safeguarded. And how do I safeguard my faith? Continue to rejoice in the Lord no matter what occurs. Verse 2. He said, watch out for those dogs. <laughs> Paul said it. Amen. Those people, in case you were thinking he was talking about canines. Those people who do evil. Those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. Now this is very interesting. Because Paul is literally calling evil mutilating dog people those who are basically preaching the law. When he's talking about circumcised, he's not just talking about physical circumcision. Circumcision was part of the rules of the law. And in order to, quote unquote, be right with God by the law, one had to perform all the rituals and all the things of the law. But remind you, Paul has had his, as before he was Paul, he was Saul. And Saul, we're going to read in a second, was a very hardcore Jew. And he's saying, listen, that was the old way under the law, but there's a new way, and his name is Jesus. The new way is the truth. The new way is the word. The new way is grace. He said, that's how we're saved. We're saved by believing in what Christ has done for us. And he said, watch out for people who are doing evil, mutilators, who say you must be saved by circumcision. Verse 3. 
He said, for we worship, how? By the Spirit of God. We who worship by the Spirit of God. We don't obey. That word worship, you know, means obedience. We don't, we don't obey and become righteous by the law. He says, we do it by the Spirit of God, by the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's how we stay right with God. We stay right with God by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit always tell you about yourself when it concerns being right with God? That you're right with God because of Jesus. Remember our studies in John 16 about what the Holy Spirit is doing? He's constantly reminding us that unbelief is the issue of sin and that the devil is the one who's punished and that you're the righteousness of God. And the Spirit, that's what he's going to do. He's going to constantly remind you of that, that you're good to go. But the law is going to tell you, you got some work to do. The law is going to remind you that you need to do this, 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 and this in order to attempt to be right with God. He says, for we, worship, we who worship by the Spirit are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Somebody say, stay the course. I don't have to worry about uh, what I did over here and over there. I don't have to worry about, well, I listened to the God today, but I didn't listen to him yesterday too well. But here's what I need you to focus on is forget about the human effort. You just stay the course. Yes, you might have messed up yesterday, but the Holy Spirit got you back on track today. You're good to go. You get your eyes focused again and you stay the course. Because the moment you get caught up in the mistakes that you make, then you're now falling into this thing of having confidence in your efforts. Because what your mind starts to say is, and your attitude starts to say is, and what you start believing is, that because I didn't do everything I was supposed to do yesterday, now I'm no longer worthy of the blessing. Again, it's back to that diet. Let's say that diet you might be on, you didn't eat right yesterday. And how many of you guys been there before? You was on this diet or whatever like that. You was doing real good. <laughs> I see the hands. <laughs> you were doing real good, but then you messed up that day, and all of a sudden you feel like, you know what? I gained 10 pounds today because I did not do it. And as a matter of fact, I deserve this extra pounds that I got because I was so bad because I ate that apple pie. And that's not how it works with God. God's like, maybe you ate the apple pie. Maybe you didn't do what you're supposed to do. But Jesus has taken the penalty and the punishment for all your wrongdoing. Your faith is not in your ability. Your faith is in his ability and what he's already done. You're still right with me, even though you didn't do what you're supposed to do. Hey, your attitude is, I'm back with you, Holy Spirit. Show me the way. I'm not afraid that I'm going to be now held back or God is going to withhold the blessing because I didn't do something the right way. My faith is in Christ Jesus. It says, though I could have confidence in my own effort. This is Paul talking. If anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Now, this is very important. Because in many of our Word of Faith churches, we, we unfortunately don't talk a whole lot about, we talk about Paul sometimes, but we don't talk about his background a whole lot. We talk about the road to Damascus experience, and then we kind of leave it at that. We say this guy named Saul was on the road to Damascus, this bright shining light came, it was Jesus, and he showed up and was like, why are you persecuting me? And then we hear what happened. 
Saul was converted to Paul, and then all of a sudden, this guy who used to persecute Christians is now Paul who writes most of the New Testament, and it's an amazing thing, right? But there's like deeper parts to the story about him that makes the fact that God chose him even more an act of grace. Yes, he persecuted Christians, but let's see why is he saying if anybody should have confidence and self-effort, it should be me. Why is he bragging on it? Why does it sound like he's bragging on himself or making himself sound like he's like the man? Well, he's going to say it here in a minute. Let's keep going on next verse. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight years old. Eight days. My bad. Eight days old. He said, I was circumcised. I, my parents followed the law. I, was, I, I did the stuff that was supposed to be done when I was eight days old. Then he says, I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. He's a Jew. And a member of the tribe of Benjamin. Check. A real Hebrew. If there ever was one, I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. Now, here's Paul who is preaching grace. He says, I know the law backwards and forward. I've lived it my entire life, and it is no longer the way. Let's keep going. He said, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. So this guy said, I did all the doing. I did all the self-effort. And there's a better way. Verse 8. Oh, sorry. Yeah, verse 7. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them what? He said the law, the circumcision, the living by the law without fault, the self-effort. He said it's worthless. Somebody say it's worthless. These works... This performance-based Christianity, Paul is saying, when I was Saul, I did all of that. But now that I'm Paul, I realize through the transformation that I've had because of Jesus, that self-effort and performance is worthless. Why? Because of what Christ has done. Paul didn't say good behavior doesn't mean anything. He said it means nothing compared to what Christ has done. Good behavior is good behavior. But if you're trying to use good behavior to be right with God, it's worthless. It's not going to get you anywhere is what he's saying. Your good behavior as far as being right with God is going to get you nowhere. Think of God as the teacher in the classroom and then you got people trying to be the teacher's pet. That good behavior may get them somewhere with that teacher, right? I, I, I study perfectly. I talk perfectly. I'm quiet when I need to be quiet. I do everything I'm supposed to do. And as a result, that teacher gives me an A in the class. Is that right? Because some of y'all remember the days that you, your grade would go down just because you talk too much. Amen. You could pass every test, but be running your mouth and getting smart and, and talking in the back of the class and all that type of stuff, and you'll get a B. Amen. And so, so, so in school, it's very behavior-driven. but and, and that's actually how our society is. Everything is very performance-based. 
And so we're programmed that way. But in the kingdom of God, it's not performance-based. It's Christ-based. Christ did the ultimate performance while he was, when Jesus was here on earth. He fulfilled the law. He lived right. He became the perfect sacrifice and outperformed us all. Christ is the kid that was in the classroom that got all the A's and you got to cheat off his test. It wasn't just a curve. Yeah, yeah, legally cheat. It wasn't just a curve that you got because a curve means you still had to take the test. We didn't have to take the test of sin. We didn't have to take the test of hell. He took the test for us all and passed it. And then gave you his A. And as a result, there's no way you can take the test and outdo what he did. And not only was it the test, but he got a perfect citizenship award. And he passed that certificate on to you and I. So in order to be right with the teacher, all you got to do is believe in the certificate and the A that he gave you. All you got to do is believe in what Christ did. Now, if you don't believe that there was a Christ and you don't believe that Christ did all of that, then guess what? He's he, him and his A and his, his citizenship award is going to be of no effect in your life. That's what the word says. Why? You don't believe. It ain't that he didn't do it. But all the people in the class who want to believe and want to line up and be a part of that are the people who are believers in what Christ has done. And that's what Paul is saying. He said, listen, I tried to do all of that. And we all know that we were all failing. Even though I, I did good at it, I still wasn't right with God because you had to do all the law and do it perfectly. But only Christ did it. So God said, I'm going to give you guys a way out. Believe in him and what he did, and it will apply to all of you. So Paul had that revelation. Let's keep going. Verse 8. It says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as what? Garbage. One version says dung. What is dung? Somebody tell me. Huh? What's refuse? Somebody tell me. What's excrement? Somebody tell me. Poop. What's, what's another word for poop? No, I'm sorry, y'all. He want me to say it. <laughs> but in raw terms, you can imagine what he said. He said, he said your self-effort, your performance is caca, yes. crap, yes. poop, doo-doo. <laughs> it's waste. You're wasting your time trying to perform for Christ. He loves you regardless of your performance. You don't have to be the kid at home who's trying to dance for mama and daddy to get their attention and to get them to like you. He likes you just the way you are. God loves you and you've been made right with him because of what Jesus did. He outperformed us all. Amen. 
He said, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Do you know him tonight? Because if you know him and you know what he's done for you, you'll be able to stay the course. Why? Because my faith is in Christ, not in me. My faith is in Christ, not in that bill. My faith is in Christ, not my bank account. My faith is in Christ, not my kids. My faith is in Christ, not my spouse. My faith is in Christ, not my job. My faith is in Christ, not my church. My faith is in Christ, not my pastor. My faith is in Christ. And he will never fail me. He will never leave me. And with him, I have a guarantee that everything is all right. Uh, verse 9. He says, and become, oh, let's go back to verse 8 and we'll read, read that over. It said, he said, um, for his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I can gain Christ uh, and become what? One. one with him. And I think the Amplified talks about that. Becoming one with him means uh, that I'm, can y'all switch over to the Amplified real quick? I don't want to misquote what that, what that says. Because it was really, it broke it down even better. Ooh, Jesus. Amen. Uh, and that I may actually be found and known as what? In him. in him. And what does in him mean? Not having any self-achieved. You see that? Not having any self-achieved righteousness that can be called my own based on my obedience to the law's demands, ritualistic uprightness, and supposed right standing with God thus acquired. Now, this whole section right here, you might not be following the 613 commandments, but what we've done in the body of Christ nowadays in our education and our revelation of the word of God is we're beginning to create new laws. How many of you guys ever heard that if you don't sow, that's why you broke? Hmm? How many of you guys heard if you don't go to church, that's why you don't know nothing. That's why your life falling apart. That's why your kids acting up. Anybody? How many of you guys heard because you ain't praying for nobody else, that's why you're sick. You ain't in your word enough. That's why you got that disease. You, you, you not, you not, you not, you're not. Behavior, performance, behavior, performance, behavior, performance. New rules, new laws. So if I give this, then I can be blessed with this. If I say this, then I can have that. If I show up to church and serve in these departments, I am now qualified to be blessed of him. New rules, new laws that have nothing to do with you being blessed by God. All the performance I just described is done because I am blessed. Because I do love God, I sow. Because I do trust God's word, I confess it. Not to get something to happen, but to set myself in agreement with what is already done. I fast not to move God. I fast so that I can move this mind to trust his word. Dr. Dollar was saying something that was awesome about uh, when um, Jesus cast that demon out of the boy and then his disciples was like, hey, like, how, how, how did you do that? And he said, this one comes out by, these come out by fasting and praying. 
And we've taken that for all this time to mean certain demons got to be fasted and prayed over. And then you have the power to do it. And what that was actually talking about, he was talking about, listen, this fasting and praying is for getting your mind right so that you'll be convinced of the power that's already on the inside of you. That's what it's talking about. And we've created these new laws, these new rules in our word of faith churches and our charismatic churches and our non-denominational churches. And then we look at people who have, look like they got a little money. We look at people who look like they got a little stuff, who look like they got a little happiness. And we then see them and say, they must be checking all the boxes. Don't we? Let's be real. And it causes us to get a little discouraged. Because what are they doing that I'm not doing, Lord? How are they loving you more than me? How are they serving you more than me? And then what we begin to do is start worshiping that person. I, I need to get under their wing. I need, to, I need to learn more from them. No, you need to be under the wings of Jesus. You need to be up in the arms of the Father. Amen. That's why I tell, I tell people the last thing I want anybody doing is worshiping, bless you, worshiping Archie and Melissa as pastors. Yes, we're your pastors and all that type of stuff, but, but, but we love God like you do. We trust him like you do. Now, yes, in the church, and I'm not saying this is the case with me and Melissa and all of, you, and all of our uh, congregants, but yes, in the church, you may have people who are more sure than others. And so you may have people that have the manifest of blessing happening more than others. And that's just simply because that person believes God more. They trust him more. So they're seeing more frequent occurrences of the blessing manifesting. Are you with me? But they don't have more blessing than you. It's just they're running into it more than you because they're believing more. Does that make sense? And, but we've misinterpreted that. We've said, that person's better than me. No, 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 no. That person may have just understood the word and believed it more than you, but Jesus is doing nothing more than, for that person than he's already done for you. He's done the same for everybody. I said, he's done the same for everybody. And that's why I'm preaching this message right now. And that's why in all of our uh, churches, we're talking about uh, getting away from performance-based Christianity uh, and, and, and following after grace is because we're trying to get all of us around the world on the same page that we need to have faith in Christ and believe what grace has done so that we all can be walking in the manifested grace of what God has provided. If you understand that, say Amen. Dr. Dollar said a million times, I want everybody to do better than I did. And we ought to be able to do that. Want to know why? It's because we're light years ahead of where he was at when he was at this point in his life and ministry. Think about World Changes Church Houston and World Changes Church Houston South. The word that we have now that we're two years into life preaching and all of that and the understanding and the revelation we have right now our Atlanta campus didn't have that until, you know, 30-something years later. And we're getting it right now. Hallelujah. We got this truth now. So what would happen if we then take this truth and go and share it with others? Man, we see Houston changed. But he said, listen, this is, this is not by your own ritualistic uprightness and suppose right standing with God that you acquire on your own effort. 
He said, that's not how this works. Go back to the uh, New Living Translation. <clears throat> Are you getting some out of this so far? Amen. Amen. He says, so I become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness uh, through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through what? Faith in Christ. You need to write that down if you're taking notes. I need to have faith in Christ. I need to have faith in Christ. Remember what he said in the beginning of Philippians. No matter what happens, whatever happens, I need to do what? Rejoice. And then Paul says, I, I never get tired of telling you this because I'm trying to safeguard your faith. Now you see what faith he's talking about. I'm trying to safeguard your faith in Christ. Rejoice no matter what's going on because I'm trying to safeguard your belief, your confidence in what Jesus has done for us all. I'm trying to safeguard the fact that you remember and know that you're the righteousness of God, not by your performance in the law, not by your keeping of the rules, but by believing and having faith in Christ. He's saying that needs to be safeguarded. That needs to be protected. You need to mount a defense around your mind and remember what he has done for you. When you take communion at the communion table, that's not you trying to just make something happen. You're trying to be healed or whatever. You're safeguarding that faith. You're remembering what the body and the blood has done for you. Communion is an act of safeguarding your faith in Christ. Just for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Do you see that? So if my faith is not safeguarded, all of a sudden, I won't believe that I am right with God. Because my believing that I'm right with God depends on my faith in what Christ did. Because what Christ did is what made us right, correct? Amen. See that? See that just in this one, two, three steps. Christ did it. Now, I believe it and have faith in what he did, and therefore, I'm right with God. If I believe that, I have faith. But if my faith starts to get rocky, and I start looking at the situations and the circumstances, and I don't stay my course, now all of a sudden, I don't believe in what Jesus did. Now I'm falling back into unbelief. And as Galatians says, a person who's falling into unbelief in that sense, not trusting in what Christ did, thinking they got to fix it and do something, that's a person who's falling away from grace. We thought a person who would fall away from grace is just somebody who was sinning and acting up. He says, no, 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 no. It's if you stop believing in what Christ has done. Verse, uh, yeah, let's go to uh, verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ and experience what? The mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, verse 11. So that one way or another, I will experience resurrection from the dead, verse 12. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. Did you know God's not mad at you because you're in the process? Paul was admitting here, I'm in the process. He said, but I do what? I do what? Press I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed, uh, yes, possessed me. That word press there means to run swiftly in order to catch 
some person or thing. To run swiftly in order to catch some person or something. He said, I press on, I'm running on, and I'm running swiftly to possess that perfection which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Let's go. keep going to verse 13. He said, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have, uh, let me just read it. Oh, yeah, yeah, he repeats it, that's right. I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Where does focus happen at? In your body? In your spirit? In your mind, your soul, my will, my emotions. You're going to see all throughout these scriptures, Paul is constantly talking about this all is happening in your mind. He said, I have not achieved it, but I focus. Somebody say focus. If you're going to stay the course, you're going to have to focus. You have to focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Verse 14, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Now go back uh, one one, uh, scripture. He says, forgetting the past. Oh, that's a big thing for many of us. I got to focus and I got to forget. I have to focus and I have to forget. If I don't forget, I won't be able to focus. If I don't forget, I won't be able to focus. If I don't forget, which is a part of forgiveness, I won't be able to focus. I'm going to have to let some things go and let them drop that may have happened to me. Where does forgetting happen? Where does forgiveness happen? He said, you're not going to be able to focus. You're not going to be able to keep the course. You're you're not going to be able to uh, stay the course. You're not going to be able to run the race until you're willing to forgive. Forgiveness is actually an act of faith. To be an unforgiveness is self-effort. You're holding on to something, protecting your feelings and your emotions and your right to be angry. You're right to be upset. And that's all about you. But when I say Christ Jesus has finished everything concerning me, including my peace, including my sanity, including mending my broken heart from what that person did to me. When I can say I trust him that much, When I can say he's never going to fail me and never going to let anybody take advantage of me. When I am having faith in him, I'll be willing to turn that pain, that unforgiveness over to him. And the result will be, I will forget the past. But you don't know what they did to me. I'll forget the past. Not I'm not excusing what they did to me. I'm not I'm not making uh, excuses for it. I'm not I'm not in any way uh, agreeing with it. Is the word I'm looking for. But I'm forgetting it. It ain't doing nothing but holding me back. It's it's like an anchor around your waist, and you're trying to run a forty yard dash, and you got a you got an anchor in the ground. That only lets you get so far, and then it pulls you back. It pulls you down. It holds you up. It may even knock you down sometimes. 
And you're wondering, why can't I get beyond this point in my life? You're running the race as a believer, but your faith only goes so far. And when you get to that thing that you got to forget, because you haven't made that choice to rejoice, because you hadn't made that choice to rejoice about that thing, you're not willing to let it go. He said, whatever happens, didn't he? I said, he said, whatever happens, didn't he? He said, whatever happens, the answer is rejoice. Because your rejoicing is a sign of your faith in God. Your faith in what Christ has done. Your faith in the finished works of Jesus. But if I can't rejoice about that past, then I'm still holding on to it. I'm still focused on it instead of what's ahead. Child of God, you have some awesome things ahead of you. Amen. You have stuff that you can't even imagine or think. Ain't that what he promised? He's going to give you exceedingly, abundantly, above all. You could, not today, not yesterday. You had some dreams yesterday and you wrote some things down in your journal the other day. He said, above all you could ever ask or think. And it's according to the power that works in you. Who's working in you? Yeah, the Holy Ghost. But in order for him to work through you, you're going to have to forget the past. Yes. Now remember, he's not talking about anything with your hands, with your feet, with your mouth at this point. He's not talking about any performance. He's talking about letting that mind be renewed yes. by him. Yes. And that renovation process includes knocking down and out the old walls from your childhood, from your previous relationships, from your previous jobs, from the previous haters. He said, let me knock that wall down. I need to put something new in there. It's going to be better than ever before. It's too crowded in here. I need, to, I need some space. You need some space in this place. And this is not a do-it-yourself job. The Holy Spirit said, I'm your contractor. I got this. I got the plans. I got the tools. You just sit back and relax. And it's not like them shows, they do them surprise renovations and they, you know, the couples do each other's house and then somebody come back and they don't put some crazy stuff in that person's house and a lady comes in, she crying and all that because she hates what has been done with her space. I'm telling you what, you're going to love what the Holy Spirit's going to do as he renovates your mind. Amen. So it says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing, forgetting the past. The past is full of your old performance and what was performed to you. He said, and look forward to what lies ahead. Verse 14, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Verse 15, now I love this part right here. We've talked about a lot of good stuff. But then Paul qualifies part of this and says, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. 
The spiritually immature will hear what I said and say, well, you don't understand what was done to me. You don't understand what I've been taught. I hear what you're saying about performance-based Christianity, but I just believe that, you know, you got to do a little something to help God out. That's spiritually immature. That's still thinking like a child. That's still being under the schoolmaster of the law. You're no longer under the schoolmaster of the law. You graduated with Jesus' A, remember? But now if you want to still be a child, and you want to still stay in class with your grown self, looking like Billy Madison in that movie when he was sitting in that desk, you don't even fit in the desk no more. You're too big for that. Because you got Christ Jesus on the inside of you. You got the Holy Ghost. You got the teacher in you. And you still trying to sit in the class. Oh, some of y'all will get that when you get home and, and watch this again. You got the professor on the inside of you and you're sitting in the class. You got the dean on the inside of you and you're sitting in the class. You got the originator of the content on the inside of you and you're trying to sit in the class. Somebody say it's time to grow up. It says let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. And he said, now, if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. He said, I'm not even worried about that. I love this. Paul's like, listen, I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> Those spiritually mature will get it. The spiritually immature, you'll get it. <laughs> I said it by the leading of the Holy Ghost. But if you didn't get it when I said it, he said, God will make it plain to you. Now, I love that. God ain't leaving nobody out. You didn't agree with the pastor. You didn't agree with me when I said it last time. You didn't agree with me when I said it this time. But God in his infinite love for you and the Holy Spirit in his infinite way of being able to teach your hard-headed self the way nobody else can, he going to get with you later on and make sure you still get the truth. He's leaving no Christian behind. This is the true no Christian left behind program. This is the Holy Spirit's program. It says, listen, they, you know, they, you know, some of them, it takes 50 times for them to get this, but, but we got to move on. So I'll just, you say it, and then when they get home, I'm going to have an interaction with them because I'm their teacher anyway. And I know just the way to make sure they get it. Paul says, God will make it plain to you. Verse 16. He said, but we must hold on to the progress that we have already made. Stay the course. Stay the course. Don't allow anything to try to make you think you still got something to earn from God. That you still got, you got a long way to go, honey. No, you don't. You've arrived because you've arrived with Jesus. I said, you've arrived with Jesus. I said, you've arrived with Jesus. Now, your mind needs some renewing. Amen. Because when you got saved, what got saved? Your spirit, your soul, or your body? Your spirit. That's what changed. The old man died. The new man was put, again, put in, and you were born again. And now God communicates with you through that spirit. And that spirit reminds you with the reflection of the word of God of who you really are. 
your soul sees that word and learns who it is. And then your body follows. Because I don't know about you, when I got saved, my body did not change. Amen. I was a young, 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 young guy. I didn't all of a sudden grow up to this tall, muscular, you know, man in an instant. Uh, I was four, three years old. I didn't become 25 and just ripped and stuff with this new. Now, that's what happened on the inside. My inside became perfect. My spirit became perfect. But do you know I still thought like a kid? I still acted like a kid. And sometimes I still act like a kid. Your, your mind doesn't get renewed. Your, I mean, your mind doesn't get born again. Your body doesn't get born again. It's your spirit that gets born again. And then your mind has to be renewed and your body has to be worked on as well. Amen. Amen. But the spirit, which is connected and united with Christ, is leading the way. He said, so, so we got to hold on to the progress that we've already made. And that's why he said you can't be looking back. You can't be going back to self-performance. You can't be going back to, to thinking the old way. When trials happen, when tribulations happen, don't let those things pull you back into the old way of acting and believing. James has something to say about that. Let's, let's look at that and then we'll, we'll close out today and then you got to come to church on Sunday to get the rest. Amen. <laughs> James chapter 1 verse 2. And uh, we'll just stay in the same version. Man, I was so excited to share this with y'all tonight. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, this sounds like whatever happens. This don't it sound like whatever happens, what Paul was talking about, and James is talking about the same thing. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it. What did Paul say the, the, the solution was? Rejoice. What does James say? Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Are they not saying basically the same thing? Yeah. Uh, go to this in the Amplified real quick. They said, whatever happens, when troubles come your way, when trials and tribulations come your way, it's a joy moment. He says, consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped. You, you know what it means to be enveloped, right? Mm -hmm. When you're surrounded and closed, when it looks like there's no way out. In or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. My goodness. Verse 3. Be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith. What did Paul say he was safeguarding? By you rejoicing? Your faith. Proving of your faith Bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience. I said this the other day. Were you still using that example of running a race? Because that's the example Paul was using. How many of you guys know it takes endurance to run a race? Yeah. It'd be like us right now going and joining the local Pearland High School track team right now and trying to run in a cross-country match. Some of y'all got, you start breathing heavy just thinking about it. Some of y'all got to catch your breath right now. Why? Because we ain't, <laughs> ain't nothing been proven in this body yet. <laughs> and it ain't no endurance and steadfastness. 
There's a process that we're going to have to go through to be ready, ain't it? I told you before that God's not mad at you because you're in the process. He says when stuff begins to happen, you just continue to rejoice. What am I rejoicing for, Lord? Why do, why do I have joy? Because you know what Christ has done for you. You know you're good. You know this stuff can't touch you. You know this stuff can't harm you. You know that in the end you win. You know that you're victorious because of the blood of Jesus. You know that you're healed because the body of Christ took those uh, sicknesses for you. You know all is well, so rejoice. Even if you're surrounded by trouble, you rejoice. And as you do that over and over and over again, you will start to see these situations as nothing. Some of you stuff used to freak you out when it would happen. But because you've practiced this, when those little things happen, you're like, whatever. It's like the kid who first got a paper cut for the first time. Screaming and crying, bloody murder. But now you with your grown self, you get a little prick or something like that on your finger, you don't freak out. You just do what? You go get a band-aid. It was like, oh yeah, that hurt, but it's all right. Why? Because you grew up. You matured. And that don't hurt you like it used to hurt you. That don't worry you like it used to worry you. And that's what he's talking about. He said, listen, it's proving your faith and it's going to bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience. Verse 4. He said, but let endurance and steadfastness and patience uh, have full play and do a thorough work. How many guys know you got to make sure you don't take your faith, don't take your patience, don't take your confidence in God, don't take it off the field. Let it finish its job. You employed it. You hired it. You put it on the job, now don't you go and start taking over. That's the worst feeling in the world. You got hired for a job, and your manager is over your shoulder all the time. Here's how you're supposed to do that. You know, here's how you're supposed to do that. You can't do nothing. You're like, you know what? Why don't you do it? <laughs> but isn't that what performance-based Christianity is? I'm not going to trust in my faith in Christ. I'm going to pull it off the field, and I'm going to go to work. I'm going to get to confessing what I think I need to confess. I'm going to go to the sword of the spirit with my arrogant self. It's his sword. He don't already told me what to do, but I'm going to go find some extra scriptures to start getting them on, getting them on the case. You better be careful. You might be working witchcraft. What? what you, how, can, how can you do that? Well, you know, all it is is when you start taking words and trying to use them to try to move God or to try to get something to happen, ain't that, that's very close to an incantation. That's very close to trying to manipulate the word of God to get something to happen in the physical realm. That ain't what God told you to do or say. Did you know that Satan even quoted the word? Satan quoted the word to Jesus. Don't allow performance-based Christianity to get you to a place that you're taking the word of God and using it outside of the leading of the Holy Ghost. That's a dangerous place to be. But people do it all the time. Y'all got real quiet on that. <laughs> He said, you got to keep patience on the field. Let it do its job. 
Follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. He may tell you just to sit down and be still. He may tell you to go to church and do this. He may tell you to sow. He may tell you to go to the word and now confess this and believe that. That happens often for me. But I tell you what, I don't go anywhere else than what he tells me to go. I don't do anything other than what he tells me to do. I don't give anything that he don't tell me to give. I don't speak anything he doesn't tell me to speak. But it never fails. He always tells me to go somewhere. He's always telling me to read something. He's always telling me to confess something very specific. But then once he says, now that's done, I stop. Why? Because my faith is in Christ. Not in how many scriptures can I say. Because let's be honest, some of us don't know a lot of scriptures. Real talk. Think, think about it. Now, I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to know all these scriptures, right, and everything like that. But what about the young lady who don't, only knows one scripture? Is my faith going to work now better than hers because I know more scripture? But that's what people think. All she might know is, for God so loved the world, and I'm part of the world. I'm, I, I'm, I'm part of his creation. I'm his child. I believe in him. And he loves me. And because he loves me, he's going to take care of me. That might be all she know. That might be all he know. And you know what? That's enough. That's enough. Think about the people in the Bible we were talking about who weren't saved yet and were coming to Jesus. Some of them didn't know the word. At least not in the way we call it. But they knew the word. They didn't know the word, but they knew the word. They didn't know the truth, but they knew the truth. They didn't know the law, but they knew the word and they knew the truth because what? They knew Jesus. And Jesus is the word. He is the truth. He is grace. And their faith was not in the law. Their faith was in Jesus. And that's what Paul was saying. Your faith has to be in Jesus. And when your faith is in Jesus, you will leave patience out on the field. You will let your faith have full course of what it needs to do. And you won't get in the way. You'll stay the course of what he's telling you to do. It says, let it, have a let it do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects lacking in nothing. Did you see that? He said, you leave faith on the field, not so you can get the stuff. And this is powerful. You, 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 we read this all the time and we let faith have its perfect work and we conclude in our minds so I can be blessed. If faith is doing its job, you already know you're blessed. You're not leaving faith on the field so you can see the stuff. You already know the stuff is coming. You already understand that you're healed. You already understand that you're prosperous. You already know all of that. This is about leaving faith on the field so you're developed. And being able to trust God more and more and more. And when you can do that, you'll be lacking in nothing. I can walk in love. I can stay away from self-effort. I can stay away from performance because I am totally dependent upon him. Verse 5. It says, if any of you is deficient in wisdom, what we talked about earlier, let him ask of the giving God who gives to everyone freely or liberally and ungrudgingly without an attitude, without reproaching, and I love this part, 
or fault finding. But I was just sitting. God ain't going to talk to me or fault finding. But I just cussed somebody out. He's not going to tell me what to do next or fault finding. I was turning all the way up last night or fault finding. God still got you. He said, "Let come to God. Let you ask of God. When I ask of God, that lets him know I'm believing in him. Somebody said, well, I thought you said I didn't have to do nothing. The blessing was just going to be there. No, you have to understand that coming to him and asking him is still an act of faith. Again, you're not saying abracadabra. You're not saying the magic words to open up the door and then he's going to give you what you need. My coming to him says, I believe you have what I need. My asking him is still biblical because I'm showing him I believe you got it. Now I'm asking or requiring what you have for me. Thank you for the wisdom, Lord, that you promise. And it will be, that's why I say it's a promise, it will be given him. That's scripture, period, uh, verse six. Only it must be in faith. Only it must be in faith. See, I didn't just make up that stuff I just told you. <laughs> I gotta come to him, but it gotta be in faith. I can't come to him with a mindset saying, I don't know if I really believe this, I think I still got to do something. I think I still got to perform. And then it'll happen. He said, no, it must be in faith that I'm going to give it to you because of what Christ did for you. Only it must be in faith that he asks. The faith has to be in how you're asking. The faith has to be in your attitude when you're asking. The faith has to be in your mindset when you're asking. Not the act of asking. Remember, this is not about the performance. It's about the heart. Where's your heart at when you're asking God for stuff? Number one, do you really believe he's going to do it? Or do you think he's mad at you? That'll shut it down. Number two, do you believe your act of asking is the key? That's not the key. The key is Christ already made it available and it's yours because of grace. Believe in that and when you ask, you're requiring of what's yours. Let me give you an example real quick. Jeanette, come here right, right there real quick. So. That is my phone, right? Now, Jeanette has my phone, right? Jeanette, give me my phone. Now, what did I do? Did I ask her for my phone? Yeah, but I required from her what was already mine. Now, Jeanette, grab your phone. Now, let's say I don't have a phone. Jeanette, can I have a phone? Can I have your phone? Now, that's totally different. I'm still asking, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm asking for something that I don't have. I don't have a right to. I don't believe it's mine. That's her phone. That's not my phone. I didn't earn that phone. I, 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 I got to do something. So, Jeanette, can I have that phone? And I say, well, can I pay for it? What, what, can I, what, what can I do? Can I buy that from you for 300 But what about 1000 See, now I'm getting into performance. How much can I give you? to get what's yours because it's not mine. What you got to understand is, is what Christ has is yours. He has your stuff. And when you come to God and say, can I have the wisdom because Christ is on the inside of you, all you're doing is requiring from him what's already yours. Now his hand is already stretched out because he says, I'm going to give it to you. But when you come and ask, you got to come and ask with the mindset that you already got what's mine, God. So thank you, Lord, for my wisdom. This is my wisdom 
because I have Christ on the inside of me. God has all that I need, but I have to believe he has it. Otherwise, I won't even come to God who has it. God has it. I won't come to him. I'll be looking for it somewhere else. I got to go make me a phone. Or I got to go buy from God what Christ has already purchased with his blood. God, how much can I get for that phone? How much can I give you for that phone? How much can I give you for my salvation? What can I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? What did Jesus say? You just believe. Believe is yours. Oh, thank you for my salvation. That's an act of faith. And I receive what's mine. And now I got all that I need. If you understand that, say amen. Thank you, Jeanette. So, so that's all you got to see. When you ask God, he's saying ask in faith. But ask with an attitude that says it's mine. I'm, my prosperity is mine. That's what you said. I'm saved. My deliverance is mine. My healing is mine. I'm just getting from you what you already said was mine. I'm seeking you not to get you to do something that's already done, but to pass on to me what's mine. So that's why when I pray, I pray with a different attitude. That's why I said right believing comes from having a right attitude. You want to rule right, you want to live right, you got to believe right, but that means you got to have the right attitude, and I got to have an attitude of faith. He said, only it must be in faith that he acts with no wavering, no hesitating. Oh, is that, is that mine? Is that true? No doubting. I don't know about that. For the one who wavers, the one who hesitates and doubts, is like a billowing surge of the sea that is blown hither and thither and tossed by the wind. Verse 7. For truly, let not such a person imagine that he will receive anything he asks for from the Lord. Why? Because God's mad at him? No, because he doesn't believe that God has what he's looking for in the first place. He believes it's somewhere else or that he has to do something extra to get it. And faith is the key to receiving what grace has made available. Verse uh, 8, for being as he is, a man of two minds, or the King James says a double-minded man, hesitating, dubious, irresolute. That's why I said stay the course. Don't get off the course. Don't go to the right or the left. Stay the course. He is unstable. He's unreliable. He's uncertain. Sounds like an immature person. About everything he thinks Everything he feels, everything he decides. He got some growing up to do. Doesn't mean God doesn't love him, but he's not ready. Are you ready to receive? Are you mature to receive? Then you got to get them feelings and those emotions under control by the Holy Ghost. And you got to get yourself in line with the word of God. Remember, all we're talking about is happening with that renewal of the mind. And then you will see the manifested goodness of God in every area of your life. So make a decision tonight that I'm going to stay the course, that I'm going to have faith in Christ, that I'm going to trust God, that I'm going to request and require from him what's already mine. And no matter what's happening all around me, I am going to rejoice. Because my rejoicing 
is a sign that I believe what he's already done. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. Come on and give God a hand clap of praise if you got something out of that tonight. Amen. amen. Boy, I like, like Dada Dada said, I love coming here and cooking in this South Kitchen. Amen. Something special down here. Y'all put a little extra Tony Saturays in it or something down here. I don't know what it is. Amen. Let me pray over you. Father God, I just thank and praise you for your children on tonight. Father, we're growing and we're maturing in you. And we have faith in you. We denounce the religion of performance-based Christianity. And we say we're true believers with true faith and grace. We're world changers. And Father, I just pray for any situation or circumstance that's going on in the life of any person in here. I thank you that they have the ability to count it all joy. They have the ability to rejoice because they have faith in you. And Lord, we thank you that we are victorious. And we declare it and we decree it right now. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Well, guys, Pastor Melissa and I love y'all so much. Thank y'all for letting us pastor y'all. Thank you for letting us just speak into your lives, speak into your lives these ways. This is only the beginning. And I'm looking forward to the great and mighty things God's going to do. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. Rich, come on up, man. Thank y'all. Praise God. Amen. Let's give our pastor a big hand. Clap of praise. Amen. Stay the course. Stay the course. That's so exciting. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, it's now time for us to give tonight. You know, we always give by text here at this location. And we always listen for God, for the Holy Spirit to tell us what he wants us to give. And so sometimes we have to just stand, stand back before we do anything and say, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want me to give? And then obey what he wants, to, what he tells you to give. Amen. We give because we're blessed. We give because we're sowing into the word that we've heard tonight. This is good ground. That's good word. Amen. And so we're blessed. So we give based on that. We give in trust. You know, we're not going to be giving fear. We're not going to be doubting and waver, wavering. But we're going to hold our study course that God has already provided everything that we need. Amen. Hallelujah. Those of us who watched us by way of YouTube want you to sow as well. Give to this ministry. This is a good ministry to sow into. So we want you to continue to do that as well. Amen. Amen. While you're doing that, I'm going to pray over your giving. Father, we thank you tonight for this word. And thank you for our giving tonight. We're blessed. Father, we thank you that we're blessed because of you. You've given us what we have today. And we give it, you, give it back to you. We honor you with our giving tonight in Jesus' name. Everything is met. Every need is met. We're debt free with more to be in store in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord God. Every need is met. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. Well, tonight I think that we're all good tonight. Amen. I see that we're here. But if you watch this by way of the YouTube and you want to give your life to Christ, you can do that as well. It's just a simple way of you receiving and believing what God has already done for you. So it just takes a simple matter of you just saying, Father, I thank you. I thank you for what your son Jesus has done for me. And I receive that right now in Jesus name and you believe that it is up to you to believe that and when you do the Bible says he considers you as being saved amen so we want to encourage you to do that amen 
All right, let's stand to our feet. We can be dismissed for tonight. Please remember, those who watch by way of YouTube, join us back here next Thursday. We'll be right back here live at 7 o'clock p.m. Intercession uh, Press starts at 6.30. Doors open at 6. So please come out and join with us as well. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that as we go, we never leave your presence. Traveling grace is ours as we go in Jesus' name. Amen. Tell somebody you love Jesus. Hallelujah.